Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Investec series of uh, Export Call. Today we have with us Mr. Sharvik Shah, Managing Director of Rajesh Motors. Uh, the group has been in the business of uh, auto uh, dealership for over six decades, with dealership in Ashok Leyland, JCB, Toyota, Kia Motors, Volkswagen, and Royal Enfield. Group is spread over Rajasthan and Maharashtra and employs about 2,000 people. Uh, so we had in the past very insightful discussion with Mr. Sharvik Shah spread across different uh, verticals, different sub-segments of the auto industry, including financing. Today's discussion we have split into three parts. Firstly, we will discuss about autos, passenger vehicle, two wheelers, and commercial vehicles. Secondly, we'll discuss about financing, uh, and lastly, uh, we will open the you know discussion uh, for Q and A. So I'll you know kickstart the discussion. Uh, uh, good good morning, sir. Uh, sir, in the aftermath of COVID-19, you know, what is your sense uh, of, uh, you know, recovery of various sub-segments uh, of the auto industry, uh, depending upon individual segment and each economic impact of COVID-19? In your assessment, what would be the timeline of recovery of different sub-segments like TVs, two-wheelers and CVs? Okay, sir. Good morning, folks. Uh, a very, very... I'm really honored to have uh, been part of this uh, call from Investec. Uh, let, me, let me start with a small, uh, you know, uh, share that uh, that really interested me and me when I read it. Zameen par shor machata humari hukumat humari mazi. Zameen par shor machata humari hukumat humari mazi. Sir, kudrat se sabko bataya meri dunya meri balti. Sir, I say it was apt to the current times. We all, you know, are. Uh, Across the globe, in in a in a very unprecedented times where everything is totally closed, and more than anything, we are living in a fear, and everything is around that fear. Everything is around uh, how we are able to understand that fear and overcome that fear. So, uh, the auto industry is also uh, you know part of uh, you know how the people psychologically come over it and understand it. If I talk about the Indian auto industry, no doubt, uh, I'm sure most of you would know these uh, statistics as it almost represents 40 to 50 percent of the Indian manufacturing GDP. It's, uh, it almost uh, employs over 40 million direct and indirect jobs. Uh, 15 percent of uh, GST collections come from uh, this industry. So, of course, uh, extracting the auto industry is going to be a very important factor for the Indian economy to, you know, roll back. But again, uh, Indian, uh, the auto industry will also come back only after the other industries work. Somebody will think of buying an automobile or a car or a truck only after their other businesses or other work are, you know, coming back to normal. And also, uh, as we discussed uh, earlier, as we can call Sajitya and that these are basically, uh, we are going to get into a new normal. So, uh, yes, uh, the times are going to be challenging. Uh, all auto industries and dealers will have to, you know, think differently on how uh, the industry or how we can come back uh, into this market. If I specifically talk about, uh, you know, the industry-specific uh, challenge, I feel with the social distancing and with the cab aggregators, you know, people will uh, shy away from sitting into cabs and taxis and will prefer personal mode of transport. I feel uh, the smaller, uh, you know, cars and two-wheelers will suddenly pick up soon. Uh, this trend we have seen already happening. Uh, people have started inquiring about, uh, you know, more of two-wheelers. Uh, I am say, in a household where, you know, father is already having a bike or a car and his son was only using a, uh, a bus or children were using a bus or public mode of transport to go to college or go to school. That parent is now going to look for a two-wheeler for him or her, you know, to travel. Similarly, people who are, you know, doing carpools or using metros and buses, these are the people who will now come and ask for, uh, you know, personal mode of transport. Even people who are, uh, you know, going to be uh, working from home, would want to go and do their grocery shopping or something, would eventually want to pick up one car which earlier was, you know, not needed for them. So we feel that uh, especially small cars, cars, uh, in the range of, you know, anywhere between 7 to 15 lakhs is what is going to be the market uh, in the coming future. Uh, commercial vehicles, uh, I think it's going to take time. Uh, 
it needs to have some economic impetus and the, the packages that have been announced by our current government are not very encouraging in terms of how this is going to impact uh, our industry and uh, how soon we can restart uh, this whole uh, cycle. Now, what, what I would want to say is that the key reason is going to be infrastructure. And if the right kind of infrastructure come in, See, uh, commercial vehicle industry had already started uh, around the, uh, even even during the lockdown period, 15, 20 days of the lockdown, commercial vehicle movement was allowed to start. We could see around 20-25% vehicles moving around. Today, uh, this is around 30-35% vehicles are start, already coming on road. Uh, the biggest challenge for them to come back on road is uh, driver's availability. Drivers have gone back to the villages. They need to come back and get on the uh, vehicle. Uh, the fear that, uh, you know, COVID in the villages also, uh, people are not allowing people to come out and, you know, start. So, but now, slowly and uh, surely, uh, drivers are checking in and uh, the movement has started. Uh, there is, uh, uh, we have been monitoring a lot of our machines through our uh, livening technology that uh, we you know understand how much hours the machine has been operated and other things. We have seen that uh, many activities have started, machines have been operated. I feel by end of this month, that will also come back to normal. Again, the challenge there is the labor, uh, but I'm sure uh, something would be, uh, something will come out with people migrating from one state to another, other people coming back into our state. Uh, I think that activity should also start. But the key is going to be infrastructure for commercial vehicle and uh, construction equipment. So, I think... Uh, overall, uh, the impetus has been, uh, you know, how we can get back into our daily lives and come out of this lockdown situation and start our activities. Uh, that was a very distinct opening uh, uh, of the Fenticle, sir. That was very, very informative. Uh, sir, moving on, uh, you know, if you can help us, you know, the different OEMs have extended different support, different type of support to dealers. So, you know, and if you can you know, contrast and, you know, compare some of these uh, support offered by different uh, different uh, OEMs, and in your assessment, which are the OEMs which are which run the risk uh, of even, you know, shutting down and which OEMs uh, dealership are relatively better off? Uh, okay, this is uh, a very tricky question because uh, I would not, uh, these, are, these are two different things. When say uh, support, of course, I, let me first talk about the support that the uh, uh, OEMs have given. Many OEMs have ensured that uh, the dealers, the fundamental was to ensure how dealers improve their cash flow. So, uh, whatever uh, cash that was blocked with the OEMs, that was released immediately. So, even if, uh, you know, uh, that uh, turnaround time for repaying, uh, repaying our warranty bills or any other support, so most of the OEMs have come up and, uh, you know, paid uh, uh, those up front, uh, in, even without going through the audits and uh, other things. So I think overall most of the OEMs have come up and uh, given those uh, claims and other payments up front. Many of them have also, you know, cleared all our incentives that otherwise would have gone into the next quarter. And some of them have been, you know, uh, given up front uh, without any... Uh, check parameters, considering that, okay, uh, this has been given and we'll see how we can adjust that later. Third has been, the past supply has been, uh, you know, given on credit. So, uh, there is going to be uh, some uh, timelines in terms of, uh, you know, how you can stagger the payments so that your cash flow improves and then you can pay. Uh, not all, but few OEMs have supported in terms of the stock that the dealers are carrying. Uh, and that's something that is positive. And going beyond, many dealers are supporting uh, in terms of salaries that uh, the dealers have to be paying to the customers. For example, Toyota uh, has given uh, given us interesting loans for a year against the salary bill that we are paying. Uh, similarly, uh, some other OEMs are supporting uh, in terms of the skills uh, manpower that we already have and have been mapped into their system. They are supporting by giving them uh, upfront training. Coming forward, going forward, they are uh, going to, you know, uh, they have been announcing some incentive schemes for these uh, uh, executives uh, so that they are retained and they are supported while uh, the dealership is suffering in terms of, you know, having to cut down on certain salaries or renegotiating packages for this year. So, through incentives, uh, they are trying to support. But at the same time, uh, 
the latest two commercial vehicle dealers like Tata Motors and Ashok Leyland have not come out and uh, done much. I think predominantly because uh, none of the dealers because of the BS4 to BS6 migrations were carrying any BS6 stocks or any BS4 stocks for that matter. So the stocks were uh, almost zero when we closed the year, and that is in March. So stock becomes one of the biggest costs that we have. But unfortunately, uh, none of these two OEMs have supported us in terms of any extra than what, uh, you know, the claims or other things that are pending have been cleared in time. Uh, now, uh, when you talk about dealerships going further and the risk that they carry, see, uh, the biggest risk for dealerships today is that we are capital intensive today. Uh, you know, if it's a car dealership, we need to have a very good showroom. If we need, uh, if we are a, a commercial vehicle uh, dealership, we need to have bigger workshops and a good spread. Uh, we, we are very capital intensive. Uh, uh, salary bills, interest costs, uh, you know, the the, uh, the infrastructure that we need to create. Uh, and the returns were very, very uh, minute. I would say we were, uh, we were working on probably, uh, though the industry says we should work on 3.5% or 3% gross margins, we were actually not able to retain more than 1.5%. And any such fluctuation in the market hits us badly. So all the dealers who have, you know, probably uh, not been able to manage their finances properly, they have uh, probably used uh, the funds for the dealership in some other uh, uh, would have siphoned it or probably put it in some other place thinking that things would improve and they would be able to recover investment somewhere. Those dealerships would be vulnerable and that could be an area where they could go wrong. Yeah, that, oh. that was quite good, helpful. Uh, but sir, if you, you know, on this uh, specific topic, right, you mentioned that a lot of the OEMs are clearing dues of the past, giving incentive in advance, but actually this is the money that was already due to the dealer. It's just that OEMs are clearing this amount. So, can you highlight some, you know, so for specifically like Maruti, what Maruti has done for dealers, what Toyota has done, are there certain OEMs which are go, taking a step further, who are taking care of maybe the rent of the showroom or salary of the employee? So, how is Maruti positioned versus some of the players like, you know, Toyota, Skoda, or Volkswagen? So, I, uh, what I've understood is that Maruti has uh, not given any uh, kind of support to the dealers, to my knowledge. As far as Toyota or Kia that we represent, I'll share with you. Uh, we had two packages from Toyota that is coming. In the first package, we were given uh, interest support on the stock that we were having. And, of course, deferment of our past payment. So, that also supported us. Uh, usually, Toyota, we have to pay every month uh, of whatever we purchase. So we get, uh, whatever we purchase, we have to pay um, around every 10th of the next month for the month, uh, preceding month from 1st to 31st. Now, Toyota uh, supported us by differing that uh, till probably now we have to pay our uh, March dues by end of this month. Uh, so that is a support. Uh, almost uh, 90% of our interest cost, as I said, uh, on our inventory was supported by Toyota. The vehicles that were in transit were reversed and our uh, inventory funds were credited uh, when uh, we were in the lockdown. Now, since the lockdown is open, vehicles which have already reached us have been built to us, which uh, they are able, if we don't want them and we don't have any orders against them, they are taking them back. So, that's a big support because that's again a major cost that is us. And as I said, uh, interest cost on, again, on our current stock that we are having. So, two months they are supported with the interest. And uh, and as I said, again, uh, on the salary bill, they're giving us interest-free loan on uh, the salary that they're paying our uh, team. So that's a big support. Uh, similarly, in Kia, uh, we have got support from in terms of the uh, interest, in terms of our inventory that we're holding. So similarly, uh, many other manufacturers have done so. Probably the smaller manufacturers like Renault and others have also gone and, uh, or MG have gone and supported with their rentals with their, uh, with some uh, support to, uh, in terms of uh, uh, salaries to the, to some trained executives. Not all, but yes, almost 50-60% support on the salaries as well. Sir, any discussion with OEM with regard to change in inventory management? So, earlier most of the auto companies were anyway holding inventory around a month or so, but considering this uncertain period, are OEMs engaging with you in discussion over the, the, the number of inventory that you hold? 
Absolutely. Uh, more than the industry, even today, uh, as dealerships, we all are realizing that we need to be very frugal in what, uh, you know, the way we work. And uh, it starts from, uh, you know, holding as little inventory as possible, because that's the biggest cost that we hold. Uh, they, that's where our major interest costs go. So, uh, we all have been talking to our, uh, uh, to our OEMs in terms of uh, minimum inventory that we hold. And the uh, inventory is, you know, moved uh, in such a way that uh, we are able to plan it in such a way that as per orders, we are able to list vehicles. So, in coming times, we see that uh, uh, stock and sale, I'm saying people who be usually keeping around 45 days inventory will come down to around 10 to 15 days inventory. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so one you know, question on Maruti specifically, you know, considering, you know, there has been some increase in competition from players like Kia, NG, and even and Hyundai has also become a little bit, you know, uh, more competitive. So in your assessment, uh, you know, so Maruti has seen a lot of competition in the past, but in your assessment, how are these companies positioned to, you know, challenge Maruti's market uh, dominance? See, you need to understand the philosophy that Maruti has been working in India. They have very clearly decided that we are, we are going to be a small car player. Okay. Now, uh, and the best part about uh, Maruti is that uh, they have economies of scale and the production cost that they have. And today, the reason why Toyota and Suzuki went together, Toyota brought in the technology for the future. And Suzuki had, you know, uh, in India, the low cost manufacturing capability. And they were good in small cars as compared to Toyota being better in the bigger cars. So, again, that's strength of Suzuki or Maruti stays here. And uh, as I told you earlier, in the coming future, uh, it's the small cars that are going to, you know, be uh, growing immediately than the bigger cars because that's what people are going to first start buying because they need basic mobility. Secondly, uh, people would want to go with trusted brands. And say, uh, brands that have been there, that uh, brands that, you know, they're comfortable with. So, a brand like uh, Maruti, a brand like Hyundai, Toyota, Honda, these brands will take precedence to some other brands which, you know, uh, have been not very comfortable with the customers or with our, uh, with masses in terms of uh, the brand uh, loyalties that they've seen or even resale values of these products. If you look at Maruti, I think after Toyota, it's Maruti which has one of the best resale values in their car. And, of course, the network that they have for service. So I think in coming times, people will not want to experiment. They will want to go with size and trusted, and that's where Maruti will come up. So I think Maruti is in a safe zone right now. Perfect. That's what I thought. So we'll move on the you know, discussion to financing bit. Uh, Karthik, you, you can go ahead. Um, thank you so much, AJ. Um, hello, Shal. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Karthik. Um, so, um, to set the context, I wanted to do a little uh, 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 rewinding of uh, what was the situation even pre-COVID. Because uh, before we even entered the COVID situation, uh, banks like HDFC Bank and Kotak were actually tightening the uh, norms and lending norms to dealers. And in fact, in certain cases, they pulled back. So what I, would, what, what I would like from you is to give a industry-wide picture as to what has been the cash flow and balance sheet position of the dealers in general. And that would set the context for our upcoming session. So uh, let me put it this way, Karthik. I just spoke to you. Uh, so in pre-COVID, in the uh, one and a half months, uh, sorry, one and a half years pre-COVID, a lot of dealerships, uh, you know, uh, closed shops. And you could see that uh, we were reading in the papers and, and a lot of our fraternity people were moving out of this business. And the main reason was uh, because of, uh, you know, okay, fundamentally, uh, car finance or truck, uh, the funding that we receive uh, on this is one of the lowest. What was happening was people were using this money to invest uh, in some other businesses and since the volumes and the business were running, they were able to rotate the fund. Unfortunately, uh, last year, uh, last 18 months, uh, 20 months where the businesses were getting challenged, these, uh, these rotations were not happening and people were realizing that and with the low margin that we are working on, things were not getting, uh, things were not rosy. So people started feeling the hit. And that's when even the tightening of, uh, uh, tightening of norms by finances also started. So I feel 
in the coming months and there's the fact that a lot of dealerships are in a very tight spot and uh, we could see and even for good brands uh, we could see some uh, some vulnerability so uh, as i said uh, all those people who have invested some money out of their dealerships into some other business are going to find a, a, a lot of challenge to set their balance sheets right and get uh, you know so that tightening of the norms and uh, easy finance availability for dealerships is going to be a challenge. Correct. Those dealers, those dealers who have shown good performance and have maintained good finances would not have such problems. Understood. And and uh, with the latest announcements that we've got um, on the MSME space, given that the ticket size is now increased to 25 crores. Would that bring a lot of the large dealers also into the ambit or uh, is that number a very small ticket size for it to benefit any of the larger dealers? Uh, you, you said it yourself. Yes, it is, it is going to be a little small for the large dealers. I'm saying, dealer like me, I don't see you come into the MSME ambit. But yes, a lot of dealers could benefit from that. It's how uh, the bankers are going to uh, see that and how the bankers are going to treat it is what we need to see in the coming times. So there is a clarity on how it is going to uh, be treated yeah. by the banks. Yeah. So basically, while the MSME ticket size threshold is low, uh, dealers will have to find additional collateral for banks uh, for them to actually uh, give further liquidity. And that is the challenge. Absolutely. If we can maybe shift our focus to a little bit towards uh, uh, the end customers, uh, if, if, if you have some sense there as to what proportion of the customers have opted for moratorium and has there been any difference between the behavior of a bank's customers and an NDFC customer that would be very useful. See, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the data about between the bank customer and the NDFC customer. Uh, but uh, what I can say is that I think mostly, uh, if I look at the commercial and tea industry, most of them have gone for the moratorium. Uh, commercial vehicle had to because they didn't have the choice. They were already, uh, you know, hand to mouth. And uh, as far as car industry, we have seen mixed responses. Some have and some have not. So I was talking to a couple of uh, finance uh, companies. So. In the car industry, uh, in terms of banks, when I spoke to people at HDFC and ICSA, they said, uh, not, uh, I would say, moratoriums have been probably a mixed bag, let's say 50 50. Uh, in terms of NDFCs, more people have gone for the moratoriums. Understood. Uh, and uh, given that the financial sector itself is actually going through some liquidity challenges, survey, have you seen any changes uh, uh, to the lending criteria that uh, large players have made, uh, both to both for the dealer um, as well as uh, to the end borrow end customer? So, as I said uh, earlier, for the dealers, now the banks are going for uh, more collateral, and, and they almost uh, earlier the collateral was up to the stock that they carry. Uh, but now they are asking for additional collaterals in terms of properties or some fixed collaterals, as well as uh, they have contributions from our OEMs. Uh, in terms of customers, uh, yet the market has to open. We are waiting for uh, uh, finances to come out uh, with the schemes and their uh, policies in post-COVID uh, markets. So uh, these are yet to come out, but uh, I don't know. I feel. Uh, as for the liquidity that the banks are having, they will need to come out uh, with some attractive uh, ways of getting business. So, I think auto industry or auto loans are the, are the com most comfortable uh, assets that they, they find. So, I think there is going to be some possibility in terms of uh, auto financing. Got it. And, and because you are such a large uh, dealer with, with so many operations and uh, nearly uh, 1,800 employees, what would also be useful for our audience is to um, get a sense as to how levered are the general population, let's say, operating out of the uh, various uh, urban and uh, metro centers or, or your employee base in specific. And to also get a sense as to, from a behavioral perspective, 
uh, we mm. are all moving towards the digital platforms and you know that's going to be the new normal so again a lot of uh, front facing stuff and all these people would need to be reduced so it's going to be a mix of both things and service uh, that's what we uh, we go across Understood, understood. Uh, one question I had on uh, the small car segment. Um, if you could, uh, if you have some data to uh, suggest in terms of uh, any new positions that in the past one year, how how are trends on that particular segment from cars that you would have possibly sold if you have data on that? And also uh, in terms of the used market, I'm sure you would be also uh, uh, playing around in that space. So how is uh, the supply and And uh, absorption in the pre-owned market uh, in this particular segment right now. Oh, I'm sorry, I won't have uh, any specific data, but I just because unfortunately the uh, the three dealerships that we represent, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Toyota, Kia, and uh, Volkswagen, don't have that small car. And they start uh, with the slightly higher side of the A segment. Yes. Okay. 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 So, but but mm-hmm. at the same time. uh let me say that uh, yes uh, uh the small car market was slightly uh, had gone a little uh, slow but it will now pick up again if you see the ratios i'm sure in coming times uh, it will uh, it will again tend towards the smaller car uh, secondly on the new uh, on the used vehicles that you are the pre-owned car that you said is a good question and say uh, i feel in the coming times uh, pre-owned cars are going to do much better uh Unfortunately, till now, besides Maruti, nobody has put in such a big focus on the every every OEM has uh, their dealers having used cars, but not to the volume. Now we expect it to get into a uh, lot of dealers like us. We are also working on a, a very specific uh, pre-owned car team. Rather, we have asked our total team to work on uh, you know exchange or even if you want to sell and purchase old cars, let's do that. And uh, you know, like in the Western countries, US, Europe. Uh, for every one new car sold, same thing you would sell around four to five old cars. So uh, that trend would come in India. Uh, it is a totally unorganized sector. Uh, there are many reasons for that, but I feel in coming times it will get more organized, and OEMs will want uh, dealerships for their sustainability and viability to focus on this uh, vertical of the business as well. Um, thank you. So, uh, just one last point from my end, and I'm done up to that. Uh, so, if you could uh, suggest from your order book that you had pre-COVID, um, the customers who would have paid some advance or uh, indicated that they want to book and pay some small money, uh, if you could share some data in terms of how many of those would have taken deliveries or cancelled, or in which segments did people cancel? If you could possibly highlight some data on that. So, uh, uh, with us. Uh Uh, we have not yet got any cancellation, but people mm-hmm. are reluctant and holding. Uh, we are assuming uh, of the uh, bookings that we had uh, across uh, the brands that we represent, uh, around 25 to 30% will cancel. Uh, some of them are deferring; they are not asking for refunds. They say we will get it uh, probably somewhere in August or September. And many are waiting for the lockdown to get over, uh, things to get back to normal. Because even if they want to buy the car, They, they want. They say we will not be able to drive it during the lockdown. Let things start moving. Let things open, and then we'll uh, buy the car. So I think uh, I think 50% of our customers will buy in the coming times. And there are no specific trends of segments in which there are more uh, deferment uh, requests mm-hmm. happening or so on. No, not in in the brands we represent. And say I'm I'm happy that. Uh, Some of our fortunate customers are also holding on and saying that we need to get it uh, once the lockdown opens. Thanks. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of questions. One is that given that the primary sales have been weak over the last two-three years, your service absorption rate structurally would look would would look weaker. Uh, uh, and if you could just help us understand how one think about it. So if you sold, uh, so how much of the cars that you sold two years ago, three years ago? Uh, still kind of converging to a service workshop revenues for you, and how is the fallout rate? Um, that was one question, and maybe yeah. I can follow up with you guys later on. Yeah, hi. Okay, so uh, we already have this URL, and every year we have been working on uh, uh, the user base that we have. And you know, manufacturers have always uh, you know gone and put the users to add their base or plan their base according to 
the uh, market volume that is there. Now, uh, in terms of uh, the bigger brands like Suzuki, Toyota, or uh, uh, Hyundai, the base were already enough. And unfortunately, as I said earlier, in the last 18, 20 months, a lot of dealers have had to, you know, close shop. So, that scarcity of base had already been created. I mean, say, what base was there, that correction had already been done. And uh, the major revenue that we get out of uh, is the excellent Most of the dealers have gone out and tied up with uh, insurance companies to attract these customers. Besides, uh, as OEMs have also come out and supported us with various uh, packages uh, or service holidays so that we get the revenue uh, out of getting these vehicles for services so that we can work on uh, getting our uh, and so the right balance of uh, rates as well as uh, getting the vehicles to a workshop through various schemes that uh, are available from uh, the OEMs. So I feel SAR uh, is here to stay. I'm saying if, if uh, plans properly, we can uh, we can achieve our SARs. But in commercial vehicles, or see uh, most specifically in commercial vehicles, SAR is going to be a challenge. So there, uh, I feel it's going to be a, uh, a challenge in how we are able to survive only on SAR. So if I if I understand you correctly, you're trying to say that for FI21, your SAR or your service revenues, at least for the OBLs. Uh, will be uh, flat to pricing YOI. Is that the way you yes. think about it? Just because yes. the dealerships have shut down and you have a market share gain. And so. Yes. At least that uh, vehicles are already flying in the market, uh, in the in the field, and those will get a settlement. Okay, great. And uh, sir, there's one more school of thought which suggests that uh, given that the whole migrant labor situation has gone bad to worse, um, now for most of the infrastructure projects which are underway, uh, more uh, mechanization will have to substitute labor. Yes. Um, is it is it emerging as a conversational point for you with your clients and does it reflect in higher inquiries? Maybe preliminary, but do you do you do you buy that school of thought? Yes, we do, and uh, you know uh, we started our uh, we started you know uh, our dealership last week. So only in the last week, starting from 11 to 17, uh, probably 16, uh, we could see a very good jump start in our JCB sales. And so in just those seven six days, we could sell almost uh, 20 25 machines, and there are good level of inquiries that we are receiving. So, uh, you are absolutely right in terms of more mechanization going into uh, the mining and infrastructure activities. Great. And so, the other part was on the uh, CV side. Um, uh, Could you just uh, give us a sense of, from a second-hand prices perspective, uh, how much is, how is the second-hand prices uh, behaving and how do you think they will likely to behave? Uh, what I'm trying to understand is, as a financier to a second-hand finance, will be more hit during these times, just from an asset price perspective, uh, given that even primary discounts could be high even coming into this year? No, uh, okay. Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, first of all, in commercial vehicle, uh, we've just moved from GS4 to GS6. And this movement from GS4 to GS6 has impacted uh, a lot on the pricing of the product. So, uh, the cost of a basic, like-to-like base for the basic product is going to be uh, at least three to four lakhs higher than what it was earlier. Not only in the basic cost, but also uh, in the last six months of uh, commercial vehicles in base for, we were going in very heavy discounts. So, not only, uh, so there is going to be a withdrawal of those discounts and the added cost of the uh, basic uh, product. So, what is going to happen is, uh, even though we feel there is going to be a lot of uh, delinquencies in terms of repossessions of vehicles, but these vehicles could get resold uh, at a at a reasonable price because the cost of the new vehicle is going to be quite high. So, uh, going forward, I feel uh, the resale values of uh, older gs 4 vehicles will be better. But then, these vehicles have to be between, uh, you know, uh, any vehicle beyond uh, 10 years of life would not get that uh, resale value because 
people are worried about uh, the vehicle scrappage policy coming in and that is a very much needed uh, you know uh, support for the industry at the same time any vehicle owned by the same specifically already ncp has announced that no 10 year old vehicle uh, vehicle beyond 10 years would be allowed in the ncr region so rajasthan specifically if i understand the market people need to you know go into ncr so they will not buy anything beyond 10 any vehicle between say 2 years to 10 years could have a very good retail value so I, i'm just trying to understand that as a, at a consumer level behavior level let's uh, assume that if my eyes were set on a cs uh, given now i've been hit by covid uh, either on a wealth effect or income effect will i actually uh, get down and now say okay fine instead of cs let me go buy a swift uh, or will i say let me buy a cs only but i'll buy maybe next year so that too seems the genius yeah so you know as i said it it is all uh, it is all uh, emotional and say so, yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> okay you know how we uh, in marwadi it said that you know gaadi aur ladi ye dono sabke liye bahut important hote hain so uh, what i'm saying is that uh, uh, a car always tells you uh, you know talks about your uh, your citizenry so for 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 people in india it is very important what cars they buy so uh, i feel uh, with and again i think uh, another aspect is the financing that is happening so uh, what uh, most of the oems today even with toyota what we have done is we are coming up with you know various financing schemes where you know there is uh, the toyota finance we have worked out with three or four months moratorium stepped up finance so Say one third of the finance ten years, you have a low EMI. Then you are slightly higher EMI in the next one third, and the final one third uh, you have got a slightly higher. So all you have a ballooning uh, method. So there are various uh, uh, financing methods. So that would probably soften his impact or his outgo in the first uh, few months of uh, this trying time, and when things improve, he is able to pay better. So I think uh, people will continue to stick. any car uh, which somebody desires between the price range or up to the price range of 15 lakhs is going to sell yes uh, vehicles above 15 to 20 lakhs is going to be a challenge thanks and so just a corollary so in that situation uh, do you think uh, despite how muted this industry is going to be do you would you bet that maruti will increase the uh, market share significantly uh, in the next 12-18 months? Yes, uh, this is what I see. Okay, and uh, the last question is on CV again. Uh, uh, how do you, what is your reading on trade availability in the areas in which you operate? If you can give us some sense, that will be helpful. So, Rajasthan is predominantly dominated by the cement and mining industry. So, uh, as soon as infra activity starts in the country, uh rajasthan trade would uh, you know grow. right now we are at around 30 35% of uh, uh feet is on on road i feel by mid of june uh, it would be almost uh, 60 65% uh, another thread uh, if i may add to this is that uh, in cv industry we are seeing a lot of uh, hub and spoke uh, movement now taking dominance earlier people were able to you know uh, go longer routes but now people have started realizing that in such uh, situations if we are not uh, available locally uh, we are losing business so people are now looking at creating hubs more hubs uh, so there will be a, a lot of high uh, tonnage vehicles moving between the hubs and the low tonnage vehicles doing the distribution from the hubs so hub and spoke uh, model is going to be more prominent in the coming times so that over, over the last 5 years uh, mm-hmm. We've seen the average tonnage of the trucks being sold always trending higher. Yes. Uh, and now with this hub and spoke thing, assuming both these trends as you are forecasting comes through, the net effect will be um, lowering of average tonnage of the truck being sold. Yes. Uh, the average capacity. So yes. So uh, the higher tonnage is already uh, in good capacity in the market now. So uh, we won't see much change in the higher tonnage. Uh, and so immediately post covid i think it's going to be more of the low tonnage that is icb and ltv 
for the you know distribution uh, vehicles that will be picking up soon. Yeah, hi. So thank you for your uh, detailed uh, explanation. Most of my questions have been answered. Just a couple of questions. So, uh, firstly, on the series side, you know, just picking up on the previous participants' question, you know, you spoke about uh, utilization rates in Rajasthan being at 30-35% and, you know, going up from here. Uh, when you engage with your uh, customers, do, do you hear them talk about, you know, availability of drivers being a problem? Because that is something that has been, uh, you know, talked about recently a lot. And a lot of financials that we interact with, you know, tell us that this is a big issue in the industry right now. Uh, yes. In the sense that you are also ready? Yes. So, uh, uh, as I spoke earlier in my talk also, that drivers are going to be a big challenge for the industry. The reason why this could have gone faster up, but because of drivers not being available, uh, it's not getting scaled up, the speed uh, utilization, number one. Number two, uh, unfortunately, uh, the current schemes that our government is trying to, you know, announce to various uh, platforms to support these people in our country, you know, it's going to be a slight deterrence for them to come back and, you know, get down to work. Uh, sitting at the village, they are getting some support in different uh, methods in different ways. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, again, uh, uh, I say the, the crop has been very good. So that also is another reason why, you know, right now the stomachs are full, so they would not want to come out. So that need to come out and start the truck uh, is going to be a challenge. We need to see how we can pull them out and put them back on the road. Right. So, so just in this case, could there be a counterbalancing effect on the face you know, saying that, you know, supply, uh, supply is lower and demand is probably higher. Could we see trade rates shooting up uh, given that, you know, there is lack of, or probably less far amount of people available to transport these goods. No, uh, you know, no, I would not put it there because though it should have happened that way, it's like a double-edged sword. Uh, while uh, while there are uh, drivers being challenged, but there are already uh, a lot of vehicles in the market already. So uh, till the time the, the availability of fleet doesn't up to you know 70-75 percent, if the demand doesn't come to that. I don't see that happening. Okay, okay. Rather, rather, rather uh, have been uh, negotiated downwards by many Okay, okay. So on the on the PV side, uh, you know, uh, so two questions. Firstly, uh, given that uh, you know we recognize that uh, you know overall sales could be lower, and you know people are deferring their decisions even though they have paid their advances. Have the OEMs been engaging with the dealers, uh, you know, on, on some sort of a, you know, dusting time kind of approach on the inventory? Because, you know, for you guys, obviously, as you have also highlighted inventory, inventory and the interest on that is a big carrying cost, right? So, have, have the OEMs been engaging with you on that front in terms of a GIT kind of model? Yes. Let me talk about the manufacturers that I represent and uh, specifically to and Toyota. So, Ashokland uh, has come up with a new, uh, modular platform. So this platform is going to help us in terms of, you know, getting uh, vehicle based on our orders within 5 to 10 days. And that's enough period for us to engage our customers before we are able to deliver in the vehicle. So uh, that's another positive. With the modular platform, it, it's going to be easy for a client to manufacture that vehicle uh, uh, faster because their inventories are going to be common across platforms. So uh, that is a positive with the client. In terms of uh, Toyota, Toyota has always worked on uh, a full model than a push model. So whatever uh, vehicles that we order are based on our uh, on our uh, penny, uh, customer orders or based on our inquiries and uh, this. So we have always uh, uh, seen very positive in terms of uh, the inventories that we carry with these two manufacturers uh, in, the, in the coming times. Now also uh, with Kia, Kia is now uh, uh, talking to us specifically based on our pending orders and trying to push in the uh, the stuff based on how we are able to retail them. So again, 10, 7 to 10 days inventory is going to be the new norm. Right. right. As I just lastly on the demand front, you know, we spoke about uh, the demand for uh, the smaller, you know, for mid-range vehicles, say from 7 to 15 lakhs, you know, going up eventually. But, uh, you know, you also spoke about, you know, 30% or 40% of people delaying their, uh, you know, already booked vehicles as well. 
could there be uh, you know could, could could we see going forward where people uh, instead of delaying the decision to buy completely cancel the decision to buy because there's been some of some, some sort of a impact on income or some sort of a impact on uh, uh, overall uh, you know wealth level is, is that something we we get a sense when we interact with our customers so i am i'm i'm not a super so i can't predict that but yes what i can see is that uh, all these customers who have the intent to buy are wanting to see how things happen and where you know uh, how life takes them in terms of how they are able to get engage back in themselves into their jobs or their businesses and get the revenue uh, but at the same time uh, we have to give them that confidence that india could rise back again So the point is that uh, we are looking at uh, giving them confidence in terms of what we can do is giving them attractive finance schemes where, as I earlier shared, uh, probably give them three to four, three months moratorium on their. Uh, uh, you take the car today, your installments will start after three months. So or probably stepped up uh, installments or ballooning or you know. Uh, I also feel in the coming time subscription models would also come in. So a lot of uh, OEMs are working on subscription models or uh, uh, such uh, models where they are able to you know, get the way to back in three or four years. So certain such models are also on the anvil. Probably in another month or so, these will be rolled out. This will keep our customers attracted to us and engaged with us. So uh, as I said, new models will come in. Uh, there will be a new no- a normal. So things will evolve. And so these financing models are largely from the OEM financial side, or even the banks are engaging in these kind of models. Eventually, banks will also need to get in, uh, engaged. They are also working on them now. Uh, well, uh, see, unfortunately, still we just started. I mean, this is honestly at our Twitter show we just started today. So yeah. we have been keeping our customers engaged. Uh, but again, uh, until and unless we don't meet our customers and don't understand their demands. Products will not get bought. In Toyota Finance, we already have those products from our learning. We are going to use them and see how every customer reacts to. You know, it's not going to be the same uh, medicine for everybody. Everybody will need to be treated separately. So it will depend upon how the customers are demanding and how they are comfortable, and that's how we'll do. So, just wanted to understand uh, uh, your take on how the fuel mix could shape up. Uh, specifically in terms of diesel and petrol, with Maruti uh, discontinuing diesel, and just based on maybe initial trends that you may have seen in the initial months, do you see like any shift in preference for OEMs that could play out according to you in the near term or in the medium term? And uh, secondly, also with Maruti sort of now getting Brazza at Toyota dealerships. So just wanted your take on that in terms of. How Glanza would have done for us, and do you think that this could be beneficial for us? Okay, so I think the industry is going to go towards more of petrol in terms of cars, uh, at least you know for personal application. So people are now going over uh, diesel and now realizing, and if you see how VW Group also took a decision of going 100% gasoline instead of diesel. So I think the coming market is going to be more towards petrol. And eventually, you know, hybrids and then electric. So I feel yes, uh, the market is going to be more towards petrol. So diesel is not going to be a big threat. But yes, manufacturers like Kia, Hyundai, who have basic uh, uh, diesel, so it equally benefits those who still want to go into uh, the diesel uh, sphere. Uh, as far as Glanza uh, uh, has been a great support for us. And especially with Ethiopia and the Ethiopia family going out, Ethiopia and Ethiopia Eva, uh, Glanza is going to be helping us get us those, uh, you know, sustain us our volumes. Uh, and it is a very accepted product. Uh, similarly, uh, what you said about Brazza, uh, the the Brazza that is going to come in now uh, with uh, Toyota also is going to be, you know, at, at the Glanza uh, there was not much differentiation between a, a Suzuki and a Toyota, whereas right. in in uh, In in the Brazza, the differentiation is going to be quite prominent. So again, we feel that's going to be a good uh, uh, volume uh, driver for us uh, at Toyota. So, so in terms of uh, just to understand when say a customer would be coming in and he would be comparing, does he compare a Lenovo to a Glanza? 
uh, how how does and how would he look at that? It's just uh, he does, and both and the cars, both the cars are same. But what the difference is the logo, and say, uh, I would certainly speak about Toyota. Toyota being the uh, uh, one of the world's largest brands, and Toyota is known for trust, and say uh, the reliability and the quality that Toyota gives. And as uh, as dealers, uh, the experience at Toyota that we are able to give in our showrooms and at our workshops is going to be a bit differentiator between uh, Toyota and the other brands. I have one quick question. Um, going off the last point that you made on uh, the shift of, uh, you know, sort of uh, the shift of vehicles from uh, from petrol to hybrid, uh, you know, to electric eventually, where does CNG play in all of this, right? Because uh, you know, Maruti came up, uh, you know, in their most recent sort of interaction with analysts. They basically uh, uh, sort of mentioned that their sort of CNG sales were flat this year or get marginally up. Uh, so I just want to gauge, like, what are some of the issues around sort of widespread uh, adoption of CNG and are there a few uh, sort, of, uh, sort of OEMs that are sort of poised to take advantage of this better than others? Uh, you see, the CNG, uh, the biggest challenge for CNG is the availability of CNG uh, in different uh, geographies in this country today. So, CNG is limited only to some specific cities or, uh, you know, townships. So, the penetration of CNG will depend totally on how CNG is spread across and the availability of CNG is available across other markets. So, uh, but it is probably going to remain flat. Because CNG mostly was also used for commercial purposes, and a lot of commercial uh, usage of uh, in the coming future, commercial sales is not going to be much. So I think it could be a drop also in CNG. So, from what I understand, uh, there have been, uh, and my knowledge is limited in this area, but from what I understand is that there has been uh, a, a sort of plan to proliferate uh, CNG across India, right? In the ninth and tenth round of sort of gas. Uh, yes. But uh, these pipelines and uh, the availability is still not available. I mean, it's not, uh, uh, it has been planned, but it is not gone through yet. And I don't see this happening for another year. Right, right. Fair enough. But essentially, in that in that sort of transition that you mentioned, CNG would probably be between uh, petrol and hybrid, right? Which is logically true. Uh, no, I feel uh, it will have limited usage. I see. Okay. Why is that? See, again, uh, as a uh, average Joe, I would want, not want to go in a CNG because A, availability of uh, CNG if I have to travel across the geographies, B, uh, it will, the, you know, the uh, CNG cylinder, that would take him into a lot of my boot space, which I don't want to compromise on. Okay. So, on a personal uh, need, if my running is not much, I do not want to go in for a CNG. Uh, uh, sir, uh, some, you know, uh, discussion on oil and fuel. So, considering the relatively higher price point of the vehicle, and generally, the you know, the customer profile of oil and fuel is a little bit more affluent. Uh, so, in your assessment, uh, how would be the recovery of volumes of oil and fuel uh, versus other commuter motorcycles? So, uh, again, oil and fuel has already seen an aspirational trend. And as I said earlier in my call, buying uh, buying a car or a, or a two-wheeler has always been, uh, you know, a status symbol for people in India. Uh, at Royal Enfield, what Royal Enfield is doing now, as I spoke to you about, you know, the modularity in Ashok Leder. So, in Royal Enfield also, the new model that they're launching in the 250 uh, series, which is going to be probably lower cost than uh, the 350 bullet that they have. Uh, I don't know what they're going to name it uh, yet, but uh, the new line that is going to come is going to be slightly cheaper uh, than uh, than the uh, 350. Along with that, they are also going to create it as a custom bit vehicle, and so you can select uh, what specs you want, and it has many uh, variations. So every bike could look different. So again, that will bring in that aspiration, and I think that is going to drive uh, Rollinfield volume in the coming future, in the basic era. Uh, similarly, the 350, uh, the Himalayan, and uh, the 650 cc uh, vehicles are, are quite stable and doing well. And that will continue their uh, volume growth. 
Besides, uh, what I understand from Royal Enfield is that uh, they are going to now look at expanding across geographies. So they are looking at, uh, you know, going into various uh, countries with their, uh, you know, 460 CT vehicles, uh, the Himalayan and the entire range, into uh, bigger uh, uh, overseas markets and trying to penetrate that as well. Okay. Uh, but sir, you know, launching a product at a relatively cheaper price point, uh, do you think that it could, you know, dilute the brand or challenge the positioning of the product? It is not going to be uh, as, uh, by I'm saying, when I'm saying lower, it doesn't mean that it's going to be very low. It's going to be slightly, very, very slightly lower than what uh, uh, it is uh, in the current 350. But of course, it is, it is going to be a customer. It's going to be a different experience. And that experience is what we'll sell. Yeah. Okay. But sir, I will continue with the previous question, the recovery of oil and steel volumes versus the commuter motorcycle. In your assessment, which, you know, uh, which could be faster? Both. I, I would not, uh, you know, uh, put them separately. The commuter motorcycles will be for those who really want to go in, uh, you know, for their livelihood, they need a mode of transport. So right now they were going through buses or cars, or uh, buses or probably uh, other public transport now would probably want to go for a two-wheeler. You know, uh, there is a there is a mechanic or there is a driver who is coming to my office for work. He, used to, he stays in a village close by. So he's commuting around 30-40 kilometers every day in a bus earlier. Now would probably take a bike and come because he doesn't have that bus. Similarly, uh, an urban user or a rural user for that matter who is a little more ambitious and uh, can get one uh, bike finance, probably a college guy, would want to go for a customized bike like a Royal Okay, okay. Uh, so if I have understood your discussion, I mean, uh, it's like uh, the necessity uh, purchase will be more tilted uh, towards, uh, you know, the commuter bike, and you expect that necessity purchase will be relatively higher in over the next one year as compared to more aspiration-led purchase. Is that understanding correct? Yes, but at the same time, uh, the aspirational uh, uh, customer would also have a necessity to buy a two-wheeler and can also probably take care of his aspirations while doing so. Okay. So, father would easily probably, you know, who, uh, have a car at home, which for office he would not be using, but his child would be using, but would now need two modes of transport, because both of them need a uh, mode of transport, would probably go for a two-wheeler, which would be a royal entry. Perfect, perfect. Sir, on the back of the success of Kia Seltos, are there any strategic changes that, you know, Kia is considering in terms of acceleration of distribution or increase in capacity? And, uh, you know, and what is the, you know, uh, you know timeline communicated to you guys uh, for launch of the Sonnet, that's the compact SUV? And in your assessment, what could be the pricing and volume expectations from Kia's uh, compact SUV Sonnet? So the Sonnet, I think, would take in almost uh, uh, 20%, 20, uh, 10 to 20% of the market that uh, is already there. It will slightly eat into its sister also, uh, the Hyundai equivalent. Uh, and, uh, uh, well, uh, I think that is an, uh, what uh, timeline is being given on the Sonnet is somewhere around August 10. And the new Breza, as well as the Toyota equivalent of the Breza, all these things have to be launched around that time. So it's it will be seen, and say it will it will like the Creta and the Celtos, the new Creta and the Celtos having a lot of common uh, commonality. Similarly, the Sonnet will have with uh, with this Hyundai uh, Tigre. I feel uh, the market will be played between these three four players. Okay. Okay. On the capacity, I think they are they have enough capacity to you know give us enough cars. That's how a typical uh, Hyundai and uh, Kia work. Okay. Okay. Sir, so, uh, since you you have a presence in such so many you know OEMs, uh, are there some discussions uh, you know with Fada which you know you would be lobbying with OEMs as well as uh, with with the government of uh, what could essentially boost the sentiments of the auto sector, whether in terms of GST reduction or in terms of you know scrappage policy. What are your thoughts uh, or say the decision shaping on these aspects? So of course, uh, I'm sure most of you would have read about and heard about what FADS is saying. But uh, if you ask me on a personal note, uh, I would want to say that out of all that context, uh, you know, uh, 
not expecting too much in terms of uh, the cash outlay that uh, the government should put in. Uh, uh, something like a vehicle's capital policy, where we don't want them to give any incentive. That is, you know, when you're talking about moving moving from BS4 to BS6, why not talk about, you know, scrapping vehicles over than 15 years? I think that will give us some space, you know, to breathe and uh, get things rolling back. So, uh, without any spend on... Uh, or, or giving any other incentives in terms of GST reduction, of course, GST reduction, vehicle traffic policy, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure spread, are the three major things where, you know, we feel a lot of uh, impetus that, uh, or movement that will come into the Indian, uh, Indian auto economy. Besides that, uh, there is going to be a lot of, uh, in coming times, partnerships and the movement of a lot of manufacturing in India in terms of, uh, you know, exports. India has already come into BS6. Uh, it has brought us into a platform where we can, uh, we are as far as the technology that's in Europe or in US. So if we are able to create uh, India as a base for, uh, you know, even for the uh, ancillary uh, uh, manufacturers as well as uh, the OEMs for exposing to these markets, this could actually give not only uh, our own volume that India is capable of delivering as well as uh, for exports. So this is a good opportunity for attracting investments from outside of giving uh, Indian uh, auto industry a space where they can probably, you know, create uh, opportunities where they can manufacture in India and export out. And, uh, you know, take benefit of the anti-China, uh, uh, the, the narrative that is going across the, uh, across the globe today. Uh, that, that was, you know, quite, quite, quite informative, sir. Uh, you know, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, we certainly had very informative discussion. That's it from us, sir. Thanks a lot. Thank you.